You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, today we've got a special opportunity um, because if you are unaware... You're about to be aware. And what I'm going to make you aware of is that our church, by your generosity, by your giving, again, we give 10% of everything that comes in back out to needs in our community and around the globe. And today, um, we got the privilege of having a conversation with, who's becoming a friend of mine. Uh, Mason Turner, and Mason Turner is joining us uh, briefly stateside for about two and a half, three months um, from Thailand, and he's in mission work over there. He's going to be talking about what that is, and then before we finish up today, I'm going to be able to let you know how you could be a part of that as our church is partnering with him. So let's welcome up Mason Turner. Come on up, buddy. So do, you, do you prefer this side or, or this side? I will take the left. You take the left. Happy with the left. You take the high road now. <laughs> take the low road. So to get started, everyone say hi, Mason. Hi, Mason. Right, now, now the ice has been broken. So at this point, he feels totally comfortable. He's been joining us for a couple of weeks off and on. So you may have already seen him here um, a couple of times. Um, but I want to get started off because he's over in, in Thailand. And so one of the first questions that you got to ask is, well, how did you get there? But before even, what do you do and how are you being used um, by God over in a foreign country? Um, how did you get there? So would you, why don't you fill us in on a little bit of your, your story, your history, and what led you for that, um, that heartbreaking moment uh, to be called into ministry and then why Thailand? Yeah. Um, so a story of how God even put Asia on my heart starts at 14. I'm 30 now, so that was a while ago. So, um, thanks. <laughs> I try my best. Um, it's all that Florida sun. Uh, um, it starts at 14. I, I grew up in a Christian home, but I really gave my life to God at 13. And, uh, we went to this big, with my youth group, we went to this big conference, Desperation Conference in Colorado Springs. I'm from a group in Colorado. Um, and this preacher was just preaching about missions. And he was just like, if anybody, he was just sharing on like the simplicity of missions. It was just like, it doesn't need to go, it doesn't need to be some big thing. Just do what you can do. Um, and he said, if you feel called to missions, come down to the altar and I want to pray with you. So I went down to the altar, and I got on my knees, and I was praying, and I just felt this burden, and this, I just had this vision of just Asia, and God just was like, Mason, you're going to go to Asia as a missionary. So I tell all my youth friends, and then they start calling me Masonary instead of Masonary, <laughs> you know? So, <clears throat> so that's kind of like what everyone just put on me at that moment. It was like, Mason's going to be a missionary, um, and then... At 17, we moved from Colorado, and I went to Phoenix, Arizona, 
my senior year, and I went through this year of just hating life, and I was just mad at everything because I grew up in Colorado, and my last year of school, I left because <laughs> my parents felt called to go somewhere else. Um, and then I ended up going to university there, Grand Canyon University, and uh, I met some guys who were doing missions, who had hearts for missions, and I started refinding that call. Um, and then, long story short, I was going to go back to Grand Canyon University the second year as with scholarships as like a director of missions for the university. But like a month before, they just dropped all those scholarships, so I couldn't go back to university. So I went through this stage of just anger at God again for some reason, just like blaming him. And I was just working jobs. Um, I was a janitor at Amazon Warehouse, and I met Jeff Bezos as a janitor. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, and then one day I meet a girl from the same university, and she's like, call up Jake Page, who's the head of missions at Grand Canyon, and just ask him, because she knew I had that call, or I had that love for missions, and I just, I've, I haven't gone yet. I'm probably 22 at this point. So I just call Jake, and I just say, what do you have missions trips that you'll let a non-member of the university go on? He's like, well, I'm going to Thailand with my wife and some kids. You should come. And I was like, Thailand, first time I heard of it, perfect. It's Asia. It checks the box. So I just, so I just checked that box of Thailand, Asia, and I just saved up some money. Um, I needed like three grand for this two-week trip, and I fundraised, and I went. So I'm on this trip in Thailand, overseas for my first time, out of the country, um, and I just fell in love with it. I just, we were running around Bangkok, um, meeting churches, hanging out with churches, um, meeting um, pastors, and then he did this, uh, he did this icebreaker to being overseas where he gave you like a scavenger hunt through Bangkok, and one objective was to go onto this roof on the top of this mall and then we took it literally and ended up going through um, staff-only sections of this mall <laughs> and ended up getting escorted out by Thai police. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know, something came alive when I went over there for the first time. Um, and we ended up going and teaching VBSs at this Thai village in Chiang Rai area. Um, and I'm staying in this, like, bamboo hut with these two, uh, they were Lahu tribe group up there. Um, and uh, literally sleeping next to the, the lady's stove that was in the middle of the house. So I woke up every morning to burning coals and breakfast cooking in the morning. Um, and we were just working and helping. That's where you just lean over and like, I need breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just scoop the <laughs> just, just, pork in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, we were helping out this village. Um, because there was an earthquake and their church broke and we were helping build it, rebuild it. Um, and one day, the, there's a festival in Thailand called Loi Katon. You probably have seen it. It's when they light the lanterns off or you've seen something like that. It's, it's a Buddhist holiday. Um, but our leader wanted to give it a, you know, a God spin to it. So he got us the same lanterns and you, you're supposed to write things to some Buddha God or whatever when you do it. Um, so we did it to God, we did it to Jesus, and we wrote worries and the things we wanted to do on these lanterns, and I wrote, God, if you're calling me back to this country, let me know, because I just had this burden still burning inside me, 
So everyone's lighting these lanterns. There's probably like 12 of us. And um, he told us to put it on the ground and build up the heat. And then once the heat built up inside of it, pick it up and release it. Um, me, as the, the nervous person I am, I guess, was just nervous that I wasn't holding it long enough. And all these people were tossing their lanterns, and it's floating. And I'm holding it and holding it and holding it. And Jake's like, Mason, throw the dang lantern. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I pick it up, and I throw it out. And as soon as I throw it, the, the big wick candle inside of it or whatever just goes out. And that thing just dips into the water. And I was like, oh, I waited too long. <laughs> so, um, you know, and he was like, oh, you waited too long. And then I'm walking back to this bamboo hut in this village, and it's pitch black. It's, you know, it's just like I just have a little bit of the light from the moon illuminating my path, and there's lightning bugs around. It's quiet. It's the quietest place I've ever been. And, um, you know, uh, I just hear this, I guess you could call it like the still whisper of God or something, you know. I hear... Mason, don't hesitate coming back to this country or you're going to crash like that lantern. And I just hear these words, like, don't hesitate or you're going to crash. Um, just eerily. I can't, like, really explain it. So go back to America. Um, I'm getting back in the normal flow of life. I buy a new car. I'm working on this job. I'm talking to a girl that I think something's going to happen with, but at the time, nothing. You know, it's my, in my imagination. Um, but I'm hesitating on going back. The, my friend Jake is like, you should go back the next year because his wife is about to have a baby and he couldn't go back. So <clears throat> he kept asking me, go back for me, lead this next trip. It's going to be two months long. He had these great ideas. But I kept dodging the question, dodging him. Um, and then eventually um, I'm hanging out with a friend and it's 2 a.m., and it's time for me to go back home. And he's like, oh, you should, you should sleep here because you're tired. And what I should have said was, yeah, I should. But what I did is I left. And I lived like an hour and a half away, and I'm driving down the highway going, I guess, 70 miles per hour. That was the speed limit. And I fall asleep. And I crash my new car into the side of this concrete divider, and I wake up to the aftermath. And all the right side airbags are gone off. And I'm like, what's happened? And I look up into the sky, and there's this tire sailing through the air. And I get out in a delusion and run over and grab my tire and walk it back to my car. And it, just, it broke clean off the axle, and I just cried. <laughs> Probably looked like Dumb and Dumber, I guess. I don't know. And I just heard those words like, don't hesitate or you'll crash. And I guess God literally meant a crash. Um, <laughs> And I just, I just said, okay, if you want me to go back, help me pay off this car with insurance or something, and I'll go back. So insurance came back. I got free off the car. I had 2000 in my pocket, so I bought a car for 1000 I lived off of as minimal as I could for a year to save up money to go back. I sold everything I had until it fitted in the backpack, and I went to Thailand for eight months. Um, I, that's because that's the longest visa I can get. So I was like, I'm just going to go. Um, and then uh, there's some pictures we could show them now, I think. So I went with very little idea of what I can do missions-wise. Jake was like, just go over there and teach English. And I was like, Jake, I'm dyslexic. Like, <laughs> he was like, they won't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
So I just went and I was hanging out with this church, of this complete Thai church, and um, it was just awesome. Um, I, they wanted to get involved in this school that was not far from them to hopefully evangelize in the school. So I just, they set it up where I could just go teach English at this Buddhist uh, nursery that was attached to the school to make good relations with this school. So that's what I did for eight-ish months. I just went to places where these Thai people wanted me to teach English, and I just taught English (laughs) as best as I could. Um, Did you go over there knowing Thai? No, not at all. (laughs) So just Maybe a little bit. Nitnoi, as they say. Nitnoi. Um, Penang curry. Penang curry, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was awesome. Uh, I was able to, they were able to do a, a Christmas service into this school, into this Buddhist school, and evangelize into that school just because of the relationship I made. Um, and there's another picture of kind of the same thing. Just, you know, they're cute kids, you know, and that's just at a poor area nearby. Um, so that's what I did, and that's how I ended up in Thailand. And then we can go one step further of how I ended up in Mesot. Mesot is where I live now, and it's a city right on the border of uh, in Thailand, bordering Myanmar or Burma. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't know about it. Um, and one day, I'm praying, and I hear God tell me, Mason, I want you to go buy a blue bicycle. And I was like, okay, blue bicycle. So I go to this bike shop, and they have two bikes. There's an orange one and a blue one. So I bought the blue one. Um, it was like 200 bucks, and it was too small because I should have known more about bicycles. But I just bought it. I was like, it's blue. I'm going to buy the blue bike. Um, and I cramped up on this bike, and I couldn't ride it. So I rode it to this bigger, nicer bicycle shop in Thailand. And I'm just standing in this shop, dumbfounded. And this missionary, at the time I didn't know who he was, walks in. Um, he's from Colorado. He's speaking perfect Thai to these people. And um, I'm like, hey, man, can you help me get like a better bike? Because this one doesn't fit me. And he's like, yeah, it's way too small. Um, and he's just like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I'm a Christian, (laughs) um, living here, just serving the Lord. And I'm just teaching English and looking for what he has next for me. He's like, well, I'm a missionary in Mesot. You should come check us out. Um, and he helps me get a bigger bike. He he speaks Thai to get me reimbursed because the guy didn't want to give me my money back. Um, and then he, Eventually, like a month later, I go meet him in Mesat, and I fall in love again with this city. And um, he puts this burden of uh, the Burmese and the Korean people on my heart. Um, so, uh, what's the next slide? Yeah, so um, they have this ministry where they have a bike shop and a burger shop. And um, I feel, and they are helping out with children's homes, so I feel led to go live there. So I come back to America, do some fundraising, go back, and I go back to Mesot. And um, <clears throat> the Burmese and the Crin have, they face great persecution on their side of the border in Myanmar, um, where a lot of them flee into Thailand looking for better jobs. And a lot of these kids end up at these children's homes. So I felt this call to, or this burden to start a kind of like a young men's home for the guys coming out of these children's homes. So that's what I did with that ministry. And um, these are just a couple of the guys. Um, 
that came through with us. Um, and they're all off and married now. And they give me a hard time because I'm still single. And I, get a, <laughs> and I get a message every now and then. Like, when will I go to your wedding, brother? When? I'm like, keep waiting. <laughs> Anyways, so you go to the next slide. Um, there's more of us. That was a scooter that was gifted to me, and that was the, I saw how many I could fit on it. So <laughs> we never drove more than a foot that way, I promise. Um, so I worked with this ministry for from probably 2015 to 2018. Um, <clears throat> and then I felt that burden again of, you know, like, what's next? I, I feel like I needed to change. All the guys went off different locations um <clears throat> and then there was this other ministry down the road uh, that was doing some pretty cool stuff and I wanted to join that so we go to the next slide oh that's when the guy's getting baptized almost forgot about that one so he, he chose to get baptized when I was in America so I'm not in the photo but praise God anyways right <laughs> so the next one um that was a coffee shop I built. I helped design for the ministry. Oh, wow. uh, we go to the next one. That was just us building the table. <laughs> the next one. Um, okay, so this is the ministry I'm with now. Um, <clears throat> so there was this ministry, and they, they asked if I was thinking about joining them. At the time, I said no. And then eventually, I felt God saying, like, Maybe it's time for a change. Um, so I checked them out, and I broke things off with the other ministry as best as I could. You know, I kept it healthy, and um, I came to this ministry. And they're doing some pretty cool things. Um, we uh, do a lot of teaching. Uh, this is us teaching um, uh, child at risk training, which is a program designed to teach um, parents or youth about traumatic situations and how they can handle it. Because um, a lot of these kids um, come from conflict and war. I've known kids who saw their fathers um, blown up from landmines, you know. Um, so they experience traumatic things. So it's a program that we have that we get to teach in the schools to help parents identify issues that might pop up because of these traumatic situations that people have gone through. So that's the girl in red is Loon, and she's um, one of our staff that was teaching the program, um, and they're doing an exercise here. She's off at seminary now. Um, we go to the next slide. Um, so we teach that, and then we do um, the biggest project that we head up right now is um, a project that focuses on uh, women caught up in domestic violence, domestic violence situations. Uh, we call the program Yes, She Matters. Um, so these Korean Burmese women come over, um, and maybe they left all their family. Um, maybe they don't have anybody there. So they get it, <clears throat> and they don't know who to call when they get caught in these situations. They don't speak the same police. They don't speak the same language as the police. So they... They let things slide. They let things go sometimes, and they get stuck in domestic violence situations. Um, so our program, um, <clears throat> Yes, She Matters. Here's the 
we put these out around town and it has our number on it. We run a 24-hour call service where they can call us at any time for any need that they have. Um, so this young lady here, um, I won't say her name, but we'll call her um, Brittany. Um, she was stabbed in the street by her boyfriend. Oh, my God. It was superficial. It was on the arm, but still, we, you know, she called us, and we came to her, and she was bleeding and crying. And, you know, so we took her to the hospital, and um, we're able to get walk her through everything she needed from hospital visits to lawyer visits to um, all the way up to the court date. Um, and uh, he was persecuted and went back to Maymar after he paid compensation for what he did. Um, so that was my first case that I worked with, and that's Momo in the black, and she used to work with us. She's going to nursing school now. Um, you go to the next slide. Um, so that's our big project. This is me teaching uh, rugby. You know, um, It's another project that we do that's targeted at um, getting out in the youth, getting out into the schools. Um, we, we blanket it as an anti, like a anti-suicide program so that hopefully one day I can bring it to the Thai schools and evangelize in the schools that way and meet youth. So this is us at a children's home um, just practicing and teaching it because I didn't know anything about rugby. But um, the founder of our organization is Australian, and she was like, we're going to teach rugby. And I said, all right, I'll figure it out. <laughs> so it's not football, but... Um, so, but I've loved it. It's cool. So we go to the next slide. That's our team. That's Michelle in the middle. That's our founder. And she's receiving an award for, um, like, outstanding volunteership. She's the first foreigner in the Thai, in, in Thailand to get that award. Uh, so go to the next one. Um, our program... We, <clears throat> we, uh, we try to have the best relationship with the police that we can so that we can get um, anybody who comes our way the best help we can. So we're able to teach at police. Um, this is teaching victimology at the police station. Um, and... Sorry, hang on. <laughs> um, this is just us teaching it. Um, we just, we've had a good relationship with the police, and it's something that we cherish because it helps us. Because <clears throat> a lot of groups in Mesot don't have a good relationship. They avoid the police as much as we can. But <clears throat> the, the ladies that come through, us having that relationship helps them get better help. It helps us get them things that they felt like they haven't been able to get. It helps us... Um, uh, mediate for them the best way we can. So we keep that relationship strong. Uh, we go to the next slide. Uh, we teach self-defense programs as well. Um, so we teach reality safe to re reality reality-based self-defense, where we teach them just how to identify situations when somebody might come up and hurt them 
or sexually abuse them. So <clears throat> we teach everything from top to stepping away to ground techniques if somebody is sexually abusing a woman. We teach them how to hopefully get out of that situation and get out and get help. So you go to the next slide. I think, yeah, of me getting hit in the head by a guy. So he's about to give it to me. But it's fun. Some concussions are given. Um, next slide. Next slide. There you go. So um, I, w I just want to share a story of, uh, <clears throat> of the first most impactful case I had there. So I joined this ministry in 2019. And um, I'm learning. I didn't know anything about human trafficking or domestic violence at the time. I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't know how to work with it or how to help people in situations like that. Um, so I was learning the ropes. And then as we all experienced COVID-19 um, in March, my, our team, a lot of people went different ways and we were a lot smaller and... Um, Michelle was getting ready to go home for two weeks in March. And uh, Momo and I were supposed to head up the ministry at that time and take it until she came back for two weeks. She was like, you're going to be okay. I'll come back. And then <clears throat> as she's packing her bags, Momo comes in. Her father fell off a roof in Maymar and was pronounced probably going to die. Um, well, he had a week to live, they said. So... She went back, Mish went out on her trip, and then I had to run the ministry for two weeks at the time, I thought, by myself with two newer female staff that we had. She was like, you'll be okay, just do the project and I'll be back. And then <clears throat> a week after she left, the world shut down due to COVID, and it took her 11 months to finally get back to, to Mesot. Um, so I had to take this, this mainly woman's ministry, Yes, She Matters, by the reins and run it myself. Um, oh, thank you. So we run this 24-hour service, and she was like, just keep it alive until I can get back. And it was just like, I'm coming back next week. I'm coming back next week. I'm coming back next month. I'm coming back. I don't know. And um, so I just took it by the reins, and I, I ran it with these two young girls. Um, and uh, we just did the best we could with it. Um, it was one of, the challenging most, one of the most challenging moments of my life because um, it was just something I wasn't fully ready for. But um, we had one case that came to us, and uh, when she came to us, she had um, pins in her hand from her husband abusing her. Um, broken hand, um, and uh, and we have an emergency center that we keep. We usually keep women in for 48 hours. In in extreme cases, we keep them longer. Um, and this she was given. We'll, this is her in the bed here. We we'll call her Sarah. Um, she came to us, um, and she was supposed to stay for a month, and we're supposed to get her work and go on. But we couldn't get her work. We couldn't find anything. Um, and then eventually, one of the girls comes in to me one day, and she's like, Mason, she, she missed her time of the month. 
And I was like, oh, I don't know how to deal with that. So, <laughs> um, and sure enough, she was pregnant. And um, so we got to know this lady for the next, I think, six months and um, sit with her every day and walk her through this whole pregnancy because her husband abused her and then took off to who knows where. Um, and we got to see her through every step of the pregnancy until she had the little guy right there. Um, he's cute. Um, so we go to the next slide. Um, this is us taking her home for the first time after probably five months of being with us when uh, her home was finally safe for her to return. Um, and then we go to the next one. And then that's the little guy right there. So, so we were able to evangelize to Sarah and teach her and hang out with her for this time until we were able to get her back. Uh, next one. Um, this is our staff out in a village helping um, a woman. I'll go to the next one slide, please. Okay. So <clears throat> these are the two girls I've, I've gotten the privilege to work with over the time. Um, they've become like little sisters to me. Um, I say I'm their boss, but I feel like that's different sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so we had to take up the ministry for the time being and um, run it, and they've become super close to me. Um, they're just like little sisters. Uh, uh, I miss them dearly. <laughs> um, we go to the next slide. This is them again. I tried to convince them to go for a run one day on the highway. I told them, we're going to go for a run. You can take photos if you want. And they showed up dressed in their best clothes. <laughs> and I was in shorts and a T-shirt. And I was like, I guess I'll just take photos of you because I don't know. <laughs> so, um, they're, they're lovely. Uh, that's Epa 2 in the yellow and Mawa Win in the black. They, they both come from different children's homes. Um, uh, some of them come from abusive situations and situations where their parents aren't in their lives. So uh, it's great to have them on our team where we can disciple them and live, with, live life with them and um, run this ministry that loves on you know, men, women, and children and uh, women caught up in battered situations. We go to the next one. Uh, this is Mala Wynn. We had another case where... Um, the lady came from another group, and she was bleeding from the hand, and they just wrapped it. And um, the girls took her into our emergency center, and I came in um, to kind of like help them out and check her in. And I saw blood coming out of her hand, and I thought the other group would help her, but I took it off, and her hand was split, and she needed stitches, and they just didn't take her to the hospital because not a lot of groups want to go to the hospitals because it takes hours so it's late at night, and I said, well, we need to take her girls. And they're like, oh, no. And we go to this hospital, and it takes probably five hours to get her stitches. And she had two little ones. Um, and this was, a, I think, a good growing moment for Mama Wynn because we had her little one right there. And she screamed as loud as I've ever heard a baby scream because um, the mom couldn't take her with her in the back because of COVID-19 lockdown situation. So we had to watch her, and um, at the end, Mama Wynn was I think more tired than her, and um, she was just like, I can't, I can't do this, and I just had to keep encouraging her, like, we can do this, we're going to help this lady out, and 
get through the situation. <laughs> Go to the next one. Um, we get to sit at meetings with Thai police and the UN. So that's a photo of that. Go to the next one. Okay. And this is the last one. Um, I kind of just rambled. I'm not the best speaker, but I hope you guys get something out of this. Um, thanks. <laughs> um, this is just a photo of our team. This is our team as of now uh, on ground in Mesot. We're um, dispassionate Jesus lovers, all four of us, and we just want to see um, these women in situations um, encouraged and in safe environments. Um, we don't always want to just take them out and put them somewhere new. We want to hopefully rebuild their family relationships. Um, we focus mainly on the abused part now, but I hope one day when I have time to start a program of the same nature to encourage husbands to be better husbands and not just always, um, you know, I've had husbands yelling at me as I'm taking their bleeding wife away, saying, you're ruining Islam because they're Islamic. And I don't understand how they get that situation in their head that, that I'm ruining Islam because they can't beat their wives anymore, you know. But, um, uh, <laughs> um, my prayer is one day to expand our ministry to, to, um, to better, to evangelize to those men as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, we kind of have a number of times hanging out with you uh, before you go back. And, and I'm curious to ask, um, this is not what we, we're, we're off, what we talked about anyway now, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been one of the biggest ways that God has changed you over the last like so, you were left there. Michelle went, and now it's just all right. It's just you, mm-hmm. and and two almost not quite little sister employees. Yeah. Right. How do you looking back on that moment now? How has God changed uh, your heart, and where have you grown the most? Um. Uh. I mean, I've really grown in. Um, how do I say that? <laughs> um. I mean, I've grown in just knowing. Because before that, I avoided any type of big leadership role. And that was the first time where I got thrown into it. And I just had to really do it, you know, and just really lead these people that were around me all the time. Um, So it really encouraged me just that. um, It really brought that out of me of just like, you just have to show up. Even when you don't have the answers, you don't know what's going on. um, You just have to show up. Because my one goal was to just keep this... 24-hour call service running that we wouldn't miss even one client, even one lady in a situation because my my passion was just to help them in any situation I could. When you say like 24-hour call service, you're not just taking calls. This guy is going out on a scooter and in a truck picking up people where they're needing help at at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., mm-hmm. going into crime scene situations, passing yeah. the tape, and be like, no, 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 I got this, because <laughs> he's got relationships with the police over there that other people don't. And um, there's, like, no one else over there uh, doing exactly what y'all are doing. Is that correct? 
Pretty much, yeah. Um, there's other groups that will help um, women in these situations. There's other shelters, but <clears throat> not many will go out at 3 a.m. and um, and help them to the hospital even. I mean, we, we've had some other groups that have called us because they're like, hey, we have this lady, she needs to go to the hospital, but we're not going to take her. <laughs> you can do that. You know, so we do that because we just, we want to give... Them, I mean, the love of Christ is to give the best of what the world has to offer, right? Or not the world, but like the best of what, the best love you can offer. So we're never going to turn somebody down because we don't have time or because it's too, it's too tasking. Um, and that's how our organization runs. We just want to see everyone who comes through from the beginning to the end. If it's healthcare, um, legal issues that come about, we see them through the whole process. We got connected to you as a church. Um, through the other uh, missionary uh, that we partner with. He'll be mm-hmm. here and talking in a couple uh, weeks, two weeks from today. I'm excited for that one also. Um, it's kind of like a missions couple of weeks here around Thanksgiving, yeah. reminding us to be thankful. And, um, and that's not the point, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be reminded that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ around the world um, who are making just as much of a difference. And I think sometimes we can come into a situation like this and be like, you know, like we're big brother, you know, and like, oh, we're, let, let us help you. And, and that's not, that can't be the case. That can't be our mindset because after conversations with you and our, and our other missionary, um, there's so much that they're doing better than us, like than the American church, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they don't necessarily, they don't need our advice. You know, we're not big brother. Now we can come along and help right? And one of the best ways we can do that is simply what financially, right? Because the the exchange rate over there is it's like stupid good to the American dollar. It can be at times. Yeah. Yeah. It goes up and down, but I know, but yeah, I mean like your dollar goes a lot farther over there. I mean, I, me and Michelle, mostly Michelle have been running this ministry off of fumes financially we run off of a tight budget of maybe a thousand dollars a month um and that's not enough to do and that doesn't pay you no it doesn't pay me no i live you need to know that (laughs) what do you what do you live off of um how do you make it over there i mean i make it through um donations too and i've been living off of like 700 to 900 on a good month um dollars a, a month you know, and that, that pay, that's enough to get, get by, to get by. Um, but um, it doesn't matter to me how much I have. I just want to sure. help everybody, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that doesn't cover me. Um, in our ministry, we try to teach English for some financial gain over there as well. But due to COVID, we haven't had, we haven't been able to have classes. We've been shut down for almost two years on that front. So we've been running off of, fumes from my savings and Michelle's savings just to keep it running. Um, Church, again, I'm thankful for your your generosity. As you give the 10%, we were able to then turn around and give give that. Um, And our elders, and I've had conversations uh, weeks before today um, in preparation for this. And um, let's stand up real quick. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Um, on behalf of our church, man, 
we're going to get you started with a fake check, but a real one to back oh, this nice. up <laughs> uh, for $1,000. Um, oh, wow. And if you all want to add on to that, um, we'll just make a note in the memo line or just put it in one of the envelopes back there in the give box over the next two weeks, and we'll make sure he gets that before he heads back to Thailand. If you want to partner with us as we partner with Mason and the ministry and the mission that they're doing over there in Thailand, um, that's important to us. Mm. And so, fake check, yeah, but there's there's a real one. Uh, we've got it. Okay. I hope this can fit into my carry-on. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. I love to see you going to the bank over there. Thousand <laughs> like, um, U.S. dollars, please. Also, you were you were saying that um, so you don't have a computer right now. You you gave your computer to your mom. Yeah, my my mom. She works at home, and she wasn't able to get a new one yet because of finances. So I let her have mine. Here you go, man. Thank you. Computer for you. So, appreciate it. Appreciate what you're doing over there. And um, so thankful for our other missionary and for today. I just won't use his name just to, um, but he'll be here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, talking and sharing as well, just sort of protecting what they do and their identity over there. Um, but uh, so thankful that you got connected to him over in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And then because of our relationship with him, you got connected to us. So yeah. it's just another way that our church can be uh, part of a giving church, part of a global church. Great reminder of that. So, again, if you want to partner with us as we partner with them, that's in the give box or just put a memo line and we'll make sure he gets that. But I want to invite our elders who are present in this room um, to come on up for a second. Um, so I saw Lance. I'll put you on the spot, bro. Come on. No. There's some, I think Brad's down the hall teaching the little ones, right? He's just in the lobby. Lobby Brad. There's lobby Brad. <laughs> using the sneaky door. Um, and I... I want to share this to you because these are, are three of the gentlemen um, that I'm privileged to lead here with. And these are decisions and a lot of stuff going on in the background that, that y'all may or may not know about. Um, but these guys are instrumental in helping um, us, again, partner with guys like Mason and making decisions and, and the using the, the generosity stuff, the 10% we give out. And so I want to, you know, this isn't just Josh. It's, it's absolutely not. Um, this is us. And it's a lot better than the TV show. <laughs> right? This is us. This is our church. And these are the men who are helping lead these decisions. And I'm thankful for them. So, Mason, can we come around you? And we're going to pray over you. We're an elder-led church. And we had our prayer service a couple weeks ago. And it says, is anyone sick? Is anyone suffering? Does anyone have anything to share? Come before the elders and pray. So, again, call me crazy. We'll, trying to do what the Bible says. So we're going to do that. I'll invite you to just um, join us in prayer whether you're, where you're at. If you want to just kneel, bow. If you want to lift a hand and just praise God or whatever. We're going to pray over Mason and his ministry and how God is, is using him. So, Father, we just uh, we turn our hearts to you. Thank you for just connections, just relationships. Because, you know, three months ago, I didn't even know this dude existed. 
You did, because you're a great and awesome God, and you've held him in your hand as he's sought the call to follow you and to pick up and go and and put everything he owned into a backpack to, to go and answer your call. So God, I, I thank you for him. We need more Christ followers with hearts and backpacks who are ready to go, who are ready to, to serve, and as called, ready to lead, to step into the gap, to, to fill the void and say, where others won't, I will. And I will exercise the love that you have put in my heart um, for, so that you may be known. Because, you know, Christianity is not the majority religion over there. You know, it, there's so much opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So God, I just want to stand up here with these men, with our elders. As we lay hands on him, God, I ask for your mighty power and provision. That this would be a step to, um, to mightier missions in your name. So that people might come through hurt circumstances, through broken um, relationships, and come to know you. Because you are perfect. You're the father that some of them don't have. The peace that some of them have never found. And the hope that some of them have lost. And God, if we can be a part of your global kingdom. This is the church. Made up of all different colors, races, ages, heights, languages, and backgrounds. All coming together. Because you have made us one as the church. Your prayer before the cross was that we might have unity just as you and the Father are one. So thank you for this opportunity to, to, to have that oneness today, to be reminded that our, our church is bigger than these walls, right? Mm-hmm. Our church is bigger than these walls and, and because we are part of the church of Christ, universal, unending, God, thank you for Mason, for his heart. I pray that you would, again, use him in a mighty way. And that as our church partners with him, people will come to know you. That's the reason. God, keep him safe, keep him well. Keep him whole. I know he misses them over there. That's his family. Teared up a little bit when we met. Earlier this week, probably teared up a little bit today. I think I saw it in his eye because that's his, that's his family. That's his home. He wants to be home. But God, may we be a part of sending him home with resources, with tools, and with a church here stateside that's got his back. He's not alone because this is us. We're the church. And it is in the heavenly, holy Precious, awesome, and mighty name of Jesus Christ, the church says. Amen. Amen. Can we thank you? Thank you, Mason. Let's come on. Thank you. Can I, can I say something? Yeah. I say thank you for everything. I'm not a good speaker. I probably have like this much that I want to say, and I say this much, you know? Um, but thank you for taking the time to listen to my story. Um, I, I appreciate, I've come to this church, I don't know, a month and a half ago, and I've, I feel the love and the familyhood. I love the, the vibe, 
you know, that a nervous dude could get up here and ramble on about his testimony, and hopefully you get something out of that. Um, my life has just been just obeying. Just when I hear those voices, I'm just saying, yes, 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 God, I'm going to do it because I don't want to miss out on what he has for me. So if you get anything from this, I just want to encourage you as Christians, as followers of Christ, to listen for that, that still small voice because he speaks to you the same he speaks to me. And when I've listened to that voice, it's been the greatest journeys and moments of my life that led me to doing things that I probably could never do <laughs> on my own strength because I'm not, I'm not that good of a guy or I'm not that smart, you know? But, <laughs> but I, so I just want to encourage you in that as followers that he's with us all. Yeah. So thank you so much. Appreciate you.